There was a once a preacher uh, called Dr. Dr. Andrew Bonar, some of you may have heard of him, and he once spoke uh, of how uh, sheep in the highlands of Scotland would often uh, wander off into the rocks and get into places that they couldn't get out of. Uh, apparently the uh, grass on the mountains there was very sweet and the sheep enjoyed it and they would sometimes jump 10 or 12 feet uh, to the sweet grass below but then not be able to get back up again and uh, the shepherd would hear his sheep bleating in distress halfway down the precipice and the shepherd may leave them there for several days until they had eaten all the grass and the shepherd would wait until they were so faint that they couldn't stand and then he would get a rope and lower himself down the precipice and bring the sheep back to safety and uh, Andrew Bonar told this story and a listener asked him but why don't doesn't the shepherd go down there immediately at the moment he hears the sheep bleating and Bonar responds and he said ah uh, the sheep are so foolish that they would dash right over the precipice and be killed if the shepherd went down straight away so he waited He waited till they were weak and beyond all hope from themselves. And then the shepherd would come. And Andrew Bonar said, it's the same way with God and men. Uh, Men and women won't go back to God until they have run out of all other avenues of safety and The good shepherd, Jesus, uh, will bring us back to him only when we cease trying to save ourselves and are are willing to rely on him and him alone to save us in his way and not ours. And in many ways, Peter, in this passage, is very much like the sheep in that story. Uh, In many ways, he is like us because we are like that sheep. Uh, Peter's story in this chapter is a downward spiral. That's why I'm calling it Peter's very bad night. And it teaches us the danger of self-reliance because Peter's Sin, uh, Peter's catastrophe didn't start at the end of this chapter when he denied Christ. It started much earlier. The rot had set in many verses before, many hours previously. And what I'd like to do this evening is watch Peter, as it were, as he spirals downwards how he got to the point where he denied Christ three times. And trustfully, we will take instruction from it. But let's see 
Where did the rot start? Where did, do we see the first evidence of Peter's crumbling? And we see it, first of all, in verse 27. Uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 37. Uh, sorry, not 37. In verse 27, uh, Jesus speaks to his disciples. And he says to them, verse 27, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he, that's Peter, spoke more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said, likewise. In these verses, Peter and all the other disciples are convinced that they will not deny Christ. They've seen Judas go out into the night, and if they were paying attention, they will have realized that Judas was going out to betray Christ. But as for them, they say, no, we'll never deny you. They were supremely confident that they would stay true to Christ. But all of them as a whole, and Peter especially, severely overestimated their own ability to remain faithful to Christ. In this moment, Peter probably felt like he'd never been closer to Christ. He had that warmth of enthusiasm and no doubt love for Christ, and it leads him to say, even if everyone abandons you, I won't. Even if I have to die, I will not deny you. But did you notice, even in this moment, when Peter feels closest to Christ, he actually ignores what Jesus said. What did Jesus say to him? He said, assuredly. I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Jesus, God the Son himself, tells Peter, assuredly, you are going to deny me three times. You know, what does Peter say? No, I won't. Jesus, you're wrong. I know better than you. That's what Peter is saying here. So even though on the outside it looks like he's so warm in his love and in his affection for Christ, in that exact same moment, he's actually calling Christ a liar. He's saying to Jesus, I know better than you do. There's a huge warning in there for us. It is possible to feel close to Christ. It's possible to feel the closest you've ever been to Christ. And yet in that same moment, 
not be actually listening to what he says. Our feelings, our emotions, our own assessment of our strength and courage is not trustworthy. Especially not when it leads us to say, no Christ, you're mistaken. It is possible to pray for hours every day and yet not actually be listening to what Jesus is saying to us. Peter is saying wonderful words here. In many ways he's saying good words, but he's not listening to what Christ is telling him and what Christ is warning him. That's the first warning for us. Beware trusting yourself so much that you actually ignore Christ. And Peter's self-sufficiency, his self-reliance, is demonstrated later on this tragic night. Uh, We'll pass over Gethsemane for the moment, but we will come back to that. But let's just turn to verse 46 later on this same night. Um, We're told how uh, Judas has already gone out to betray Christ, to get the um, uh, chief priests and the scribes to come and arrest Christ because he knows where Jesus will be in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Judas leads them straight to Jesus and he tells them, the one I kiss is uh, the one you are after, that is Jesus. And the soldiers come and they lay hands on Jesus. But look what it says in verse 46. It says, then they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now, in this gospel, we're not told who that disciple was. Uh, Some have speculated it's because Mark is a very early gospel. And at the point when it was written, Peter was still alive. Many of the people affected in this story were still alive. And it wouldn't necessarily be prudent to go uh, publicizing the details of what Peter did this night. Uh, That's one suggestion why he's not mentioned. But John... The Apostle John, writing much later in his gospel, writing most likely from another part of the world, uh, years most likely after Peter's own death, he tells us who the disciple was. And it probably doesn't surprise us very much (laughs) to learn that it was Peter. Peter was the disciple who drew his sword and in his fervent desire to defend his lord and his master he swings probably to chop the head off the chief priest servant who dares to lay his hand on christ but the servant dodges and peter slices off his ear instead and we see here again peter is showing his enthusiasm You could say he's putting his money where his mouth is. He said that he's willing to die for Christ, and now he's showing it. He says, no one's going to touch my Lord. 
And he pulls out a sword and he's willing to defend Christ, it seems, even to the death. But what does Jesus say to him? Again, if we look in one of the other Gospels, if we look in Matthew's Gospel, we hear exactly what Jesus said to Peter. Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. We might say that Peter's heart was in the right place here. He loved Jesus. He didn't want Jesus to die. He didn't want Jesus to be arrested. It was unfair. It was unrighteous. And with all those emotions bubbling up inside him, he pulls out a sword. But although his heart may have been in the right place, he resorted to the wrong weapon. He resorted to the wrong response. Again, because he wasn't listening to what his master said. Instead, he was relying on what he thought and what he felt. And again, This is a danger that we all need to be wary of. Uh, Just look around at this society and we can perhaps look around at what's on the news and what we hear of happening uh, around us and we can start to panic or we can start to feel very vexed and uh, angry and irritated by Uh, the evil we see in this world, and we can start to fear that this world is going to hell in a handbasket, and it can cause us to respond in kind. Uh, Perhaps we see our own children uh, going down a wrong path, or we see things around us heading directions we do not like, and our instinctive reaction is to do something. But so often, the something we do can be be something that is even more harmful than doing nothing. It reminds me of a um, quote, I don't know if people are familiar with the um, uh, the sitcom Yes Minister. I I don't know if there's probably things in there not to recommend, but there's a quote in there which has always made me laugh, where one of the um, uh, people in the civil service Uh, says that governments must do things, this is something, therefore we must do it. And that could sometimes be our feelings as well. Uh, Something bad is happening. We've got to do something. This something that we want to do is something, therefore we must do it. But sometimes we can do all the wrong things for all the right reasons. Uh, We might resort to physical violence. We might resort to verbal violence. But as God himself warns us, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. That's what Peter discovered to his cost here. Heart in the right place. But he didn't stop to listen to what Jesus said to him. Peter's self-reliance led him to become self-willed and it led him to do 
the wrong action. And again, uh, at this moment, Peter might have never felt so bold for Christ before. At this moment, he might have felt that he was never more faithful to his master. But actually, spiritually, he was slipping further and further away from him, like that sheep going down that precipice. But let's continue. Uh, Jesus is arrested. Jesus, as we learn from John's Gospel, he heals the high priest's servant's ear and he is taken uh, away to the uh, palace to be tried by the Sanhedrin. Peter, however, follows afar off. All the other disciples run away and flee, but Peter follows from a distance. And Jesus is taken inside where Peter cannot follow, so he stays outside warming himself by a camp fire. But even as his body warms by the fire, his courage starts to cool. Uh, The flame of his initial enthusiasm starts to wane. And a servant girl spots him. And she recognizes him as someone who has been with Christ. And she says, you, we saw you. You were with Jesus, the man who's been arrested. And Peter panics. And Peter lies and he says, I don't know what you're talking about. And he hears a cock crow. A little later, the same servant girl comes and she's not having any of it. And she tells the other people standing around in the courtyard. And she says, this man, this man was with Jesus. And Peter lies again. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand what you're saying. But then the people all around, they start interrogating Peter. And they say, no, no, we recognize your accent. Uh, Your accent shows that you're from Galilee. You were with him. You came down with him. And then we're told that Peter started to curse and started to swear and to say that he didn't even know Christ. And then he hears a cock crow a second time and he remembers what Jesus said. He remembers what Jesus said at the beginning of this night in verse 30. Assuredly, Peter, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And we're told that Peter remembers those words and he goes out and weeps bitterly. He realizes that Christ was right all along. And again, we might say, what happened? Why did it crumble so quickly? Uh, Up to this point, he's been showing so much enthusiasm and courage, misdirected perhaps, but courage nonetheless. But now it crumbles in the face of a servant girl. But as we've seen, the crumbling started long before. All the way along, in every part of this night, Peter has been listening to himself and not listening to Christ. 
And Jesus knew it. Jesus knew all the way along where Peter's heart was. Let's just go back to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, And we obviously looked at this passage in a little more detail last week. Uh, But Jesus said something to his disciples before he went himself to go and pray. Look at verse 34. Verse 34, it says, Then Jesus said to them, that's Peter, James, and John, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He tells Peter and James and John to watch. He goes away and prays and then comes back and discovers Peter, James and John are asleep. And then he speaks to them again and he makes clear what he meant when he said watch. Verse 37, he says, it says, then he came and found them sleeping. And interestingly, it says he said to Peter, they were all sleeping. But he said to Peter, verse 37, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus knew where Peter's heart was. He knew that Peter was relying on himself. Like that sheep at the bottom of the precipice who... If the shepherd tries to rescue him, he will jump off the cliff because he's still trying to save itself. That's like Peter here. He's relying on his own strength, on his own courage, on his own fortitude. And Jesus says to him, Peter, watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Your self-confidence is not enough. You cannot rely on yourself. You need, ultimately, me. Watch and pray. And of course, that is what Jesus himself has modelled throughout this passage. Peter started the night with self-confidence saying, even if everyone denies you, I won't. But how did Jesus start this night? It says we're told in verse 35, he went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Jesus himself wasn't full of self-reliance. He knew he needed his father. And so while Peter is sleeping, blissfully self-confident, Jesus is praying, bowed on his face. Peter demonstrated his self-confidence a little later through his self-will. And he decided he knew how to fix the situation and he pulls a sword and almost makes the situation a hundred times worse. But what did Jesus do? He prayed to his father, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus could have prayed for a legion of angels to come and rescue him. He told Peter that himself. 
He said, I could ask my father now to send a legion of angels. But he didn't do that because he wasn't interested in what he wanted. He was interested in what God wanted. And again, Peter ended his night desperately trying to preserve his own life, to extend his life a little longer. But Christ ended his night willingly sacrificing it for others. Do you see the polar different paths that Christ and Peter were on? So what's the lesson for us? Well, the lesson is very simple. The lesson is beware relying on yourself. Beware when you feel strongest, when you feel closest to Christ. Beware, because when we think we are strong, take heed lest we fall. Peter demonstrated it in this passage, and we are no better than he. Instead, like Peter didn't, but like Christ said they should, watch and pray. Watch and pray. It seems so simple, doesn't it? <laughs> it's so difficult. But what does that look like in practice? Every day when you wake up, before you launch into whatever task you have for the day, don't forget to bow your face to God and pray, asking him to guide you in the path you should go, to do his will and not your own. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. It doesn't have to be an eloquent prayer. All it has to be is a sincere prayer, asking him to guide. You might say, well, I don't feel the need to pray. Well, pray that. (laughs) Tell God that you don't feel like praying. Confess that to him and ask him to help you see how much you need him. And as you learn your need of him, your prayers will grow. Your prayers will become more numerous and they will become longer. But before any task you do, watch and pray. Beware the danger of self-reliance. We need Christ and we need him every hour. Let me just end on a happy note. Uh, Because in this passage, we see quite clearly how Peter lost his grip on Christ, despite all his self-confidence and his self-reliance. But thankfully, Christ never lost his grip of Peter. Uh, He allowed uh, Peter to slip down this precipice, Uh, He allowed him to follow the path of his own self-reliance right to the point where he wept bitterly. But Christ never let him go completely out his sight. Uh, We didn't read this and it's in a different gospel. Uh, But we're told that Jesus told Peter before 
he even denied him. We're told that Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And then he says, and when you are converted, feed your uh, feed you or um, teach the brethren. He says, when you're converted, you will be converted, Peter. You will come back in the end. It will be a dark road, but you will come back to me because I have prayed for you. We often forget to pray. Uh, We're often sleeping when we should be watching and watchful. But even when we are sleeping, if our trust is in Christ, he is praying for us. And that shouldn't be a motivation to us to not worry about prayer, to not worry about our grip of him. But it should be a comfort to us and a motivation to us to pray all the more. Because it doesn't depend on us. It depends on him. And what more motivation do we need not to rely on ourselves, but to trust in him? And that's what I've chosen as our final uh, him tonight, number 777. Peter obviously denied Christ and wept bitterly as a result. Uh, but let us now close by singing these words, Jesus, and shall it ever be a mortal man ashamed of thee, ashamed of thee whom angels praise, whose glories shine through endless day. So let's close by singing number 777. Thank you.